We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is co-host TJ Inman. We have a special guest tonight, former Indiana Hoosier defensive back Richard Fant. Richard, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? We're doing great. You know, it's that time of the year in college football when the college football playoff comes out. I mean, it's delayed a couple weeks this year, but full games, you, you saw a couple crazy upsets on on Saturday night. So uh, no complaints here. Uh, first, before we start, we have a uh, an ad from our friends over at Bet Online, our sponsors. Uh, football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you could get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head over to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. Uh, so in case of their Hoosier fans living under a rock this uh, past week, some things uh, came to light to, to kind of, you know, rock the cradle a little bit of the Hoosier fans. First, it was um, Big Ten announcing that they, they were going to get rid of their six-game threshold, which, and I'll – Richard and I disagree on this, but I, I, I get his point, but here's my point, and I, I kind of changed my point a little bit given the fact that IU might not play this week. Um, the rule was put – I'm a rule follower, but the, the rules were put in place. Now, it could be a stupid rule, but there are a lot of stupid rules in football uh, and in life and, and in other games, uh, but it was a rule that athletic directors agreed upon that a team had to play six games to qualify for the Big Ten title game. Um, it was a rule probably designed to keep, you know, a team from going 2-0 and and, you know, qualifying or something like that. Uh, now, is Ohio State the most talented team in the Big Ten East? Did they beat Indiana? Yes. Um, and that's all well and good. But they didn't hit the six-game minimum. Uh, now, I get why they changed the rule uh, – Ohio State sits at fourth in the college football playoff. We'll talk about that later as well because we have our issues with them uh, too. But they sit fourth in the college football playoff. It is a $6 million payout for the Big Ten there. Uh, and personally, I don't think Ohio State needed the Big Ten championship to go. If they played a six game, that should have been enough. Uh, but they're going to go on and play Northwestern. Uh, just the transparency from the conference, the way they've handled everything from August on, this just 
kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Uh, Richard, what is your take as a former player, a former Hoosier, who has come close to beating Ohio State? Indiana lost by seven. They did fall behind 35-7, but they rallied. Uh, what's your take on the college football, on, uh, on the Big Ten changing the rule? Yeah, uh, it's you know what, being a former player, obviously being a fan, it's always so hard. Um, I, I get why the fans are upset, and I also get it's Ohio State. They get a little privilege, you know, it just comes with the territory of being historically great team. Um, but I think with this unknown times of COVID and, like, how it was going to help, the rule, like you said, was probably a dumb rule. I you could always, I feel like it would have been better just at the end of the season to be like, well, Ohio State only played three games. There's no way they should be in the Big Ten Championship, even if they're 3-0. Um, so, like you said, the rule was dumb, but I think, you know, it sucks that it was late and IU was affected. Um, but they thought their testing was probably enough and that they wouldn't have many games canceled. So, they was like, it should be fine. Um, I think, ultimately, uh, the biggest thing was two of the three games that got canceled from Ohio State weren't even their fault. Um, and it they didn't reschedule to play anybody else since the Big Ten wasn't playing outside the conference as a lot of conferences were trying not to. Um, so I think that was big. And then, like you said, the $6 million payout, um, I think is big. And the toughest thing for me looking is that, you know, some people, like you said, that Ohio State just needed probably one more game and they would have probably got in. But I think you get into that ter territory if they went 6-0 and and just say their last game was against, they end up playing Illinois or Maryland. Um, you got them 6-0, and and they only beat one ranked team, which is Indiana. And then you got Texas A&M, who might finish 10-1, and 11-1. Neither are technically champions of their conference. Who do you put in? Personally, I'm going to put in the Texas A&M that probably beat two or three teams that were ranked in the SEC and played 11 games. So I know what I'm getting for sure. Um, so I think the Big Ten probably just saw, like, it's important for them to win our championship, but also go against another ranked team and beat them. Um, and so that was the big thing. But it does think as an IU fan when you're like, man, our team's right here. Show what we can do. Get a Big Ten championship because, you know, especially for a school like IU, sometimes these things could be hard um, to come by because talent is just so much all over the Big Ten, especially, you know, the big three in the Big East. Yeah, and I think IU fans could take some solace in this is a young IU team, and they're coming back next year. And it doesn't seem, you know, you see all these posts that Tom Allen's going to go to Auburn or whatever, take whatever job opens. And I joke around that, you know, he'll end up coaching the Knicks, you know, be on that short list whenever Tom Thibodeau uh, leaves New York. But this team doesn't seem like they're they're – they're going to be here for a while. So that IU fans need to take some solace in that. And then also, which I thought the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten knows that IU has COVID issues. And I think if they came out and said, listen, the combination of, look, Ohio State beat IU head-to-head. -head. Indiana's had to cancel a game. Nine out of the ten times that this happens, two weeks have been canceled. The Big Ten championship is in jeopardy we're going to go ahead and forego that six game rule and put Ohio state in. I think that would have made it, you know, taste a little bit better and made it a little bit more understanding that, you know, you don't want like, was it USC and, and this weekend, Oregon just yeah. <laughs> uh, took, took the spot from Washington. You, you didn't want that situation for conferences, taking it on the chin PR wise uh, this year that, just I, I think they made it was the right decision um was it wrong approach the, wrong approach and i yeah. think that's that's the the uh 
the theme of the Big Ten this year. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it's them trying to make a decision so fast and get it out there since the game is supposed to be obviously the Saturday. Um, and so I think that's the crazy thing with it. Um, and then, but I do think obviously Ohio State beating IU, I think kind of determined. I think if Ohio State and IU hadn't played, they might have forced Ohio State to play that game, or they might have just put IU in if IU was, you know, six and zero, six and one, or if they hadn't lost, probably let them go in just because they hadn't played. Um, but yeah, that Ohio State Indiana game for me is tough because personally, I feel um, the last what since I got there in 2013, people often forget, but our 2015 squad and we end up having a rough season, um, even though we made it to a bowl game, but we kind of played IU. I mean, Ohio State, the closest that anybody has. Um, that was the team with Braxton Miller, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas. And uh, people I tell, I tell them, one of my friends and ex-teammates, like, I was like, people don't remember we went into that game, um, I want to say 4-0. Yeah, we had beat Wake Forest that year. Um, we had beat Western Tucky, who was really good that year, had all the talent. And people forget because we didn't finish that well. I think we finished 6-6. Six and six. We lost, like, six in a row or five in a row, and uh, we lost all the games by, like, a combined average of, I think, of, like, 10 to 12 points. It was, like, close games all the way through. Um, but uh, this game that they played IU, I think if you watched and looked at the whole – the fight of IU is what we all take away. They fought, they fought, but they were down 35-7. They were down 21 going into the fourth. Um, and for me, I think with Justin Fields playing his worst game, um, and I felt like some of that was just uh, him being humbled. Because after the first touchdown, I, I could see in his eyes, he was like, I'm going to go for the Heisman in this game. I'm going to go crazy, not realizing I use defense as creative and feisty. And that's what they did. They forced turnovers to their credit um, and almost pulled, came away with a victory if it probably wasn't for a busted player. Obviously, the pick six that happened with Penix, but I can't say too much about Penix. He threw for a lot of 500 yards and yeah. a lot of touchdowns. So, yeah, it's tricky, man. This this time has got us all in a tricky mindset and weird way. Yep. TJ, any follow-up questions on, on the rule change for, for Richard? Well, I do think that one of the things that the Big Ten mentioned that I think is an important factor is even with a loss to Michigan in the that the final, that third game that was canceled, uh, they weren't going to lose to Michigan. But let's say that they did, they're still the Big Ten East champions and would have been, quote, been eligible for it. So I think that that was kind of their viewpoint was, look, even if they lost this game that they're unable to play, they still would be representing the East. I think that was ultimately uh, one of the deciding factors for them. Uh, you ask, you know, maybe in my head, I'm thinking, look, would the same decision have been made if the shoe was on the other foot and Indiana was the team that was needing that last game to be technically eligible and Purdue was unable to play? Uh, we'll never know the answer to that question. Um, ultimately, I think Ohio State gets some privilege, but uh, I'm not too torn up by the decision because I do understand why you make that decision. I think you guys are both correct. The process and the way the Big Ten has gone about handling pretty much everything uh, throughout the, the COVID pandemic, um, I, I think could be improved upon. And hopefully that's something that the Big Ten leadership is looking at long and hard uh, for whatever the next crisis is going to be. Hopefully nothing near as serious as COVID, uh, 
but at the rate college sports are changing, uh, leadership in the conference is going to have to be able to make quick, intelligent decisions. And right now, I think Big Ten fans are understandably skeptical whether or not this administration can do that. Yeah, um, and I would add to that on both sides. Uh, I know, obviously, Ohio State gets some privilege, TJ. You are correct about that. Um, but I do think if it, the roles were reversed, I think they would do it for IU for the simple fact, like um, Sam said earlier, it's money. If if the roles are identical and reversed and you take IU and don't let them play and they don't go to college football playoffs, then you have three teams and nobody getting in. Because even if IU just say IU was put in the Big Ten Championship this week, if they win, we still don't know if they're going to bump them ahead of Texas A&M. Um, or yeah. any, you know, they're a champ, because you never know. I think they take into account that Penix got hurt, who was in the Heisman contention, um, even if he was only fifth or sixth, but he was in that talk, and he got hurt. Um, and the way we've won is with our defense, but obviously you get a great team like Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Texas A&M. Our defense mm-hmm. is, gets to a point where you're not going to hold them to 14 points. Um, and we are all the great defenses. You go in there and you want to, but it's hard. You know, offenses are too good. Um, and that happens. So I think that it, I think they would um, if the roles were reversed. Sadly, we'll never know. Um, and it just sucks. IU came on that short end of the stick. And then as far as leadership um, in the Big Ten, I do think, you know, they'll continue to have to adjust and get together. I think the hardest thing is and I have a relationship with Commissioner Warren. So the hardest thing is like I see people tweeting like Commissioner sucks. We shouldn't have hired him. But not realizing that the ADs and vice presidents are actually the one, like, they're, he has to say, but they're voting on this. They're agreeing to this. Just like the Big Ten decision was all the ADs voted, and obviously IU's AD voted for IU, rightfully so. But it's a committee, and it just sucks that Commissioner Warren obviously is the face and the head of the Big Ten conference, but um, it's a collaborative decision. So I think across the board with him and then obviously all the ADs and presidents of the Big Ten um, universities, they'll have to continue to, you know, adapt and grow, especially because we don't know when we'll fully return to normal um, or what normal will look like going forward. Yeah, and that's a good segue into the college football playoff rankings, which I know we agree upon this one, Richard. Indiana has been 12th all three times uh, going into the college football playoff rankings. They haven't lost since the college football playoff rankings came out. Uh, A little of it could be Michael Penix getting hurt. A little bit of it is a little bit of disrespect uh, to the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten's not having a great year. Those name brands, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, they're all having down years. Um, and I don't know if people I, – I don't like committees because I don't know if they watch the games. Um, Indiana went into Wisconsin, a place that – it's been a house of horrors for IU football uh, for since 2001. And I think IU had scored like two total touchdowns. Outside of that 83-20 to 20 game, they scored like two touchdowns. And you guys went in there in um, in 2013 with one of the best offenses in IU history, and they held you guys to three points. To go in there and dominate Wisconsin, hold them to two field goals with, with your backup quarterback um, and missing an offensive lineman and, and win that game was really impressive. And then what also irks me is, like, every time IU beats a team, that team has to stink. And I think it's a little bit of the mentality. I didn't really like the computers doing it for the BCS either. But there, you got to get rid of these older 
guys in, in, in the room who have, you know, hands in, you know, hands in the pot to make these decisions. Uh, so I, I thought they should have been higher, especially above, and Richard, you're from SEC country, uh, but especially over some of these two losses teams, Iowa State, Oklahoma, um, you know, Georgia's under different circumstances because they got JT Daniels back and, and you put that into it. But there, you know, if you're going to discount IU's wins, why are you not discounting Georgia's wins uh, and things like that? And IU's loss is much better than Georgia's two losses who were blowout losses to Alabama and Florida. So the whole process just, it really, really made me mad. Um, but I know, it, so what, what were your views on it, Richard? No, I mean, I totally agree. There's there's no way in the world where you're six and one and you're one losses to the number four team in the country where you're not in the top 10. Um, especially now, you could say Michigan, Penn State's not ranked now. And two things could be true. I've watched these games, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, their talent is not what it used to be. And that's their fault for not recruiting. I use talent is starting is just as good but now we have backups we have guys that can come in and across the board I think it's even out where we might have on defense had seven talented truly talented players but then we had some you know plug guys um but I think across the board IU too deep is great and they're young I um, mean I think that's why you're saying obviously we're kicking Michigan's butt and Michigan State we're going out there and dominate so two things I say can be true the talent yes they struggled at these schools, but also IU's talent has gotten better and deeper. And it's funny now because you see IU, we were competing sometimes with less talent. There's no excuses made. We were almost beating these teams. Well, now the bros have kind of flipped and I used kicking these teams, but, and it's like all this and that, and it's COVID year. And I'm like, that's not true. IU just got better time. They got better. Um, but as far as the rankings, yeah, like they should easily be top 10. I had them at seven. Um, and yes, I'm from SEC country, and I think it gets a lot of overhyped, overrated. Um, I think it was 2015 or 2016 when Michigan went down and they played Florida in the bowl game, and Michigan's receivers torched Florida's defense all day. And I'm like, it's just this mindset that SEC is NFL already ready and this. And I'm like, listen, besides Alabama's Alabama, they're gonna always be Alabama. Georgia is Georgia. They usually have talent. Florida as well, but at the same time. Ohio State and Michigan have always been those same caliber. Alabama is the only one, and Clemson, obviously, the last couple of years are the ones where I'm like, look, and I'm like, okay, those two teams are different. The guys are different there. Um, so for me, it's easy that they should have been top 10. Um, and if somebody's like, Georgia has two losses. You can't put them there. Even with JT Daniels this past week, it looked great. They played amazing. But I think the, his first week, they played Mizzou and they won by like seven. That's not impressive on a Mizzou, Mizzou team that hasn't been that good. Um, and I could have the teams wrong. I'm trying to make sure it's been a while since that game. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like they, most of it's disrespect. These people, I finally looked up who's on the committee. Um, and I'm like, man, I see people that are older. Could be my grandparents. And then I see people who don't look like they ever played sports a day in their life, or especially football. So like you said, are you actually watching the games? Because if you watch some of them, if you watch Miami, and I'm not surprised that they finally got killed. I had them as my number 18, but they had been playing a lot of teams from behind. They'll be down at halftime by 10, 20 points, and then come back and win, or be close the whole game and win at the end. And that to me is a sign of just, you know, a lucky team because you need some luck, but obviously not 
a top five or top four team or even top ten that should be in. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you add in Indiana, I think, is one of two teams who are 7-0 and against the spread. And that's when you gauge, okay, well, they might be – well, Indiana's doing to bad teams what good teams do to bad teams. Is you, you beat them by more mm-hmm. than you're supposed to beat them by. So I, I think that plays into it too. TJ, go ahead. Well, I my biggest problems with the rankings have been those two loss teams. Um, I personally think avoiding losses and winning games, I think that really matters. And that sounds reductive uh, and obvious, but uh, to the committee, I, I think that they have gone a lot on what they consider to be quote-unquote eye test and ignored just the results. Indiana, while you, I guess if you're the committee, you could find ways to discount Indiana's results by poking holes in Michigan, in Penn State, in Michigan State, uh, in Maryland. You know, poking holes in each of Indiana's wins to put them at number 12, uh, I think that they have ignored previous results like Oklahoma's two losses, or which, by the way, were not good losses. Uh, I mean, they lost to Kansas State, who is really bad. I mean, Kansas State is a bad football team, and you can you can make an argument that they were much better when Oklahoma played them. Well, you know, maybe Penn State and Michigan were a lot better when Indiana played them, and IU beating them just knocked motivation from them because their goals for the season were therefore gone uh, after those early results. I, I just think that the results have to matter, and a team losing two games, particularly in unimpressive fashion the team's way worse than Ohio State is uh, I think that those have to matter when making those rankings I'm not they don't have to go only by results but I think they should play a heavier role than what they currently are for that committee Uh, I I don't think that it's fair to say well Georgia has JT Daniels therefore previous two losses don't matter even though they got destroyed by Alabama and Florida very good teams sure but Florida's not Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's not losing to LSU this year. Uh, That's a game Ohio State would have won, and Florida lost it. So I I don't see where they are being treated equally, uh, perhaps. Um, I do have a a question for Richard as it relates to uh, this current Indiana team. I think our our listeners might find this uh, enjoyable to hear your answer on this. This Indiana secondary in particular, since you're a former you know, defensive back yourself, what do you see from this group uh, that you think allows them to, to play that the way that, it, that they are? Is it talent? Is it scheme? Is it the marriage of the two? Uh, what has impressed you about this, this particular secondary group for the Hoosiers? Yeah, see, that's a good question. I think it's a combination of all of them. Obviously, scheme helps. Schemes covers up a lot. And for this IU team, it's not covering up anything. But I'm thinking of teams that you've looked and be like, they don't have much talent, like Northwestern or athletic ability. And you look and the scheme they're in and how hard they play makes a great defense. Um, and so for this IU team, I think mixed in with talent, the belief they have in each other, and then the scheme fits. Um, if you remember when my playing days, you could most likely 90, 80 to 90% of the time, we playing man. I was a lockdown man corner. That's why I excelled at. But we needed to get pressure and we had to blitz. And it was easier for us to just play man and blitz everybody, basically, especially with how great a blitzer we had in T. Gray and Marcus um, Oliver. So 
I think this team, their ability to mix up the coverages, a blitz, but drop back in zone, throwing a little man here, and um, especially the corner blitz this year, how effective that has been. And I think when the ball's in the air and they have a play, they're making them. Um, and that goes for everybody across there. I think you got Jay Will and Jamar with four, uh, T Mullen obviously with three, and then he has like two or three sacks. So the playmaking mm-hmm. ability across the board in that secondary, the belief they have in each other, um, and I think just the talent across the board. Um, I know for me, if I look back to my time, our D-line wasn't always, we couldn't just send four or send five. We had to at least send six to have an opportunity. And now this team, I've seen them, you know, drop back into coverage and get covered sacks or send four, send five and get pressure, or then send the house um, and get pressure and obviously create some game-changing plays. Um, it's been impressive. Obviously, I think they still obviously lead the country in INTs, and I think they lead the Big Ten in sacks still, which is amazing. Um, and mm-hmm. it was crazy. This is all Big Ten games. Nobody can say, well, they played Louisiana Monroe, and they had three picks and ten sacks. Like, you can't say that. This is all Big Ten schedule, uh, Big Ten games, and they're leading. And um, it just shows in the testament to how great not only the players are in this game, but the coaching staff who's done a great job coaching those guys up, having them ready to play. Let's move on to the bucket game, which might take place on on Friday. Um, If you don't know, Indiana and Purdue have been paused in their activities since last Monday. They were supposed to play Saturday. That game was canceled, postponed. We'll make it postponed since they they, um, moved it on. They're playing 7.30 Friday night. It seems to me that the Big Ten – going back to their rule change, knows what's going on. Um, Putting them on a Friday night against the Pac-12 title game is the great. If this game happens, it's awesome. If not, we'll survive. We don't have a slot to fill on Saturday. Um, Hopefully it gets played, uh, but you want to do what's best for the players and and the staff members and and those guys. Uh, But, Richard, you played in four bucket games. What was your – favorite memory from the bucket games Oof, I think like gosh, I talked about this uh earlier this week too when somebody asked but my first bucket game um I was I started in our nickel package um but came in as a backup but in that game they were doing a lot more passing especially in the second half um so I ended up getting on the field a lot more than normal um and uh coach deal said I downplayed this but it was a third or fourth down. Um, Either way, we knew that we would be getting the ball back if we made a stop. Um, And this could help us go down and score it again when a touchdown. Fourth quarter, I'm a young freshman. They call a cover zero. Um, Somehow, Purdue smart. They matched their best receiver up that year with me in the slot. And obviously, me confident, but first year playing, they knew, hey, listen, he's a young freshman, redshirt freshman. He doesn't have a lot of game experience. And to be able to make that play, break it up, but see how my teammates embrace me and like all the momentum, but sit here, the fans and just see, okay, wow, this bucket game. And I'm used to the, you know, Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Alabama, Auburn, cause I'm down to SEC. So I didn't know what the bucket game was going to be like. I didn't grow up hearing about it. Um, only one I really heard of in the big 10 was Ohio state, Michigan. And that's cause they're usually powerhouses and Ohio state fans are everywhere. Um, and so for me, I had some great moments um, to include in my red shirt. You know, I'm four and one against Purdue or Purdue, whichever one you prefer. So um, it's the games have been amazing um, from the two that we actually won convincingly to the two close ones that we had. 
um, especially one coming at a loss and we lost by seven. But that game just it did become a part of me. Um, you see the stakes, no matter how good each team, if we were the better team or they were, um, it didn't matter. It was even when we got in there, you wanted to kick each other's butt. And most of all, if there was something on the line, which it was for us three out of the um, four times I played, they did not want us mm-hmm. going to a bowl game. They did not want us to be able to say, we beat Purdue. Oh, yeah, and we're going to a bowl because we beat Purdue. Um, and so these games are fun. Um, I hope it gets played. It'll be interesting to see if it does. I think the biggest thing is most teams in the Big Ten, if they had to cancel for COVID reasons, it took them about two weeks to get back. So we'll see. But also, I don't think we know the numbers unless I missed it somewhere on social media. I haven't been on a lot these last two days. But um, usually we had numbers, so we knew – 10 players tested positive or five and a couple of staff members. So hopefully it might've been one or two they caught early, or it was just the pro the testing protocol. They felt was getting a little weak and they want to strengthen it up. So as precaution, we, we not, we don't know, but like you said, I think it's smart putting on a Friday. Um, I hope it gets played, especially for these seniors, especially for any guys in there, because it's a great game to play in. You want to get that eye. Um, we put eyes on the bucket, but we get personal eyes. Um, so I have four of them. Um, and it's great. And can show my kids, like, look, I kicked Purdue's butt full times. Um, so uh, I really just hope for these seniors and for these guys to be able to finish the season off by being able to beat our rival. Um, and then, you know, obviously it'll be, to me, I think it's going to be a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, so we'll see. That's another thing that's on the line, which was so important in, in the college football playoff rankings. And IU kind of benefited from not playing last week. Uh, they had uh, Florida lost, and I think they dubbed it the shoe game, um, <laughs> which yes. was a, a wild and crazy game. Uh, as you said earlier, Miami got thrubbed by uh, by North Carolina um, and, and things like that. And it's always, you know, I use the haze in the barn, so to speak, and and, and other teams that now have a chance to lose. Um, you know, Texas A&M got out of playing a, a really hot, Ole Miss offense and uh, they'll play Tennessee this week but you know Florida is probably going to lose to Alabama Um, Iowa State one of Iowa State or Oklahoma is going to lose because there's no ties anymore in college football Uh, we'll see what happens with Cincinnati if that game gets played and things like that but there's and Coastal Carolina had an amazing comeback in the last minute there Uh, I think it was against Troy um but in, yeah. in one in one of their their games, so anything could happen. You kind of almost feel safe not playing. But I think another data point, especially if Indiana could win, um, would help them get into that New Year's Six bowl. Uh, at the very least, if Indiana doesn't play and they're left out of the New Year's Six, they get a very nice Florida bowl, which should help recruiting because Indiana does recruit Florida very very well. Uh, Richard. Uh, any final thoughts on, on all the stuff we uh, talked about today? No, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I say that they should get a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, obviously, the key is if they play Purdue, you got to win. Um, don't focus on anything else. Winning, you know, helps all. Obviously, Florida didn't take care of business, so they are now out of anything. Um, I guess a win with Alabama won't do anything, honestly, but help them get a better bowl, but knock Alabama out of the college football playoffs. Um, so, and it's crazy. I think Clemson, Notre Dame is coming up too. And that's a big one. Uh, does Clemson get their second loss? If Notre Dame loses to Trevor Lawrence, Clemson team, do you keep Notre Dame in the playoffs? One loss. Is that a better loss than Texas A&M's one loss? 
if Texas A&M obviously plays again or wins out. Um, and then obviously Cincinnati seems to be hanging in there. Um, their thing is always going to be their conference is a little weaker, obviously. Um, but it's still a testament to go 8-0 in any conference. You, I mean, targets on your back. Uh, so I think for IU just to keep playing hard, focus on them. Um, it'll all play itself out. You know, you win and everything usually works out. Uh, so I'm interested to see what happens. I'm interested to see which New Year's Six Bowl they get because I, I believe they will. Um, and like you said, it's nice that Oklahoma, Iowa State got to lose. Somebody got to lose. Florida's probably going to get their third loss unless Alabama freaks out or something. Um, and then if Clemson gets their second loss, so that pushes them further back. Um, so, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's, it will be crazy also to see what these football rankings after the um, championships have been played how close, especially if IU doesn't play, how close IU will be to the top four. Yeah. Because you got a lot, I, of, I, a lot of losses right there. I can I see them think, at six. Yeah, I think there's a path for IU, but I feel like I'm, um, if you've watched uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the meme with Charlie on the board <laughs> with the thing, it's it, the conspiracy theories. That's how I feel like making my path for IU. I do think there is a path but it's like a lot of the NFL playoff scenarios in the last two weeks where this has to happen and this or this and this. And, but there is a path, and, but you can only control. And in 2020, I can't stress this enough, you could only control what you can control. And that could be the bucket game on, on Friday against Purdue. Uh, Richard, yeah, thanks for joining. Go ahead. Oh, no, I would say last thing, yes. I would say the path is – if it will come down to how they see, but technically Clemson loses, um, Ohio State loses to Northwestern, <laughs> and then right there you got IU moving on up with two spots available. Do they take a one-loss Ohio State team, one-loss Texas A&M team, one-loss Indiana team? Do you take Cincinnati, who's 8-0? and um, But the hardest thing is the one thing the committee's always said, they value champions. So they're probably going to put whoever wins the Big 12 um, championship in there, obviously, um, is what they'll do if that happened. And they'll get the third and then the final spot would most likely come to whoever they thought they most talented that lost in those conference championships. So um, it's pretty simple to figure them out. I don't think they really, they're kind of blinded by historically great. If you Alabama, Ohio State, and you've always been good at football, or Florida, you've always been good at football, I'm going to take that into account. So even if you got two losses, like Georgia, you've always been great at football, you're a top-10 team. Um, so we'll see. I'm interested to see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks. But most of all, I just hope all the players and coaches and all of us are able to stay healthy and um, be able to cheer these guys on. Yeah. Before we let you go, Richard, what are you, what are you up to? I know you were with the Bears for a while, um, battled some injury issues. What, what's going on in Richard Fant's life nowadays? Yeah, Richard Fant's life is kind of like, man, crazy in the sense of uh, I was with the Bears for two years this past March, officially released because my knee is still injured. Um, I'm hoping that if my knee can get healthy um, in this next month or two, I have some teams calling, trying to work me out, um, get me on the 90-man roster, so I'll be playing football again. If I can't get this knee healthy to play, um, I'll be starting my PhD in higher education and social justice. Um, haven't decided on the school. I've got in the two already. Um, so just trying to have as many options as possible and hopefully I can get back to playing football. But if not, um, I look to try to make my second act greater than this football act was. So I'm excited for what is to come, um, but also it's a little hectic, you know, having so many different things up in the air. Yeah, awesome. Well, good luck to you in both your NFL uh, future and getting that doctorate. We can't wait to call you Dr. Fant as well. <laughs> Thank you.
So um, thanks for joining us, Richard. We'd love to have you on again to talk college football uh, every so every so often. Uh, but thanks. Stay safe and uh, enjoy the rest of your time. Enjoy the end of the college football season. Yes, you too. Thank you. And happy holidays to everybody out there. Enjoy time with your family or if you're by yourself, just hang in there, FaceTime somebody. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you, TJ. All right. That was Richard Fant, former Indiana Hoosier defensive back, all Big Ten player, future doctor as well. Um, let's go into the bucket game for a little bit, TJ, since um, since this game might be might be played. Uh, what are you, what are we looking for? Uh, it, it, both teams are paused. There are rumors that Purdue practiced today, uh, things like that. What What are your thoughts going into Friday? Is it are your hopes up? Is it don't get your hopes up? Like what's going through your head? Well, if we're putting percentages on it, I think there's about a ten percent chance the game happens. I don't have any inside information. Just going off of you know other teams process what they have had to do to get things ramped back up. Uh, Indiana's football activity is still being paused. We don't know the status of Purdue. We do know uh, that they have had a level of people out that if they have to play, they will be moving people into different positions than what they typically play uh, to cover holes. So that tells you there's somewhat of a substantial amount of players that have either tested positive or have, you know, opted out of the remainder of this season, whatever that entails for the Boilers. Um, so, in short, I don't think we know how to evaluate this thing. Um, I, I think that if we are to play, you know, find out who's available as far as personnel goes for both teams and make an evaluation off of that, Um I think that Indiana has the significantly better, we talked about it last week, uh, I think Indiana has the significantly better um, kind of trenches, if you will, both lines. Uh, I think the linebackers for the Hoosiers are better. The secondary for IU is light years ahead of Purdue's. I think the Boilers have the better skill uh, players. Indiana's are certainly not bad, not a deficit at all. Uh, but the Boilers have, you know, an elite, pair of guys in Rondale Moore and David Bell. Um, so I think you're going to be looking at Indiana's secondary against those receivers if the game is to happen and if those guys play. Uh, but primarily it's going to be just mindset for the Hoosiers. Can they come out after this break, after this shutdown? Uh, can they come out and take care of business in a highly emotional contest? Uh, you heard what it meant to Richard. It was great having him on. Um, a guy that was not familiar with the rivalry at all, but very quickly understood this is a big deal and it means a lot. Uh, so, you know, you know, it's important, you know, it's going to be emotionally charged. If it does happen, how does Indiana handle that aspect of it? Um, I think that that will be the biggest component to whether or not Indiana, uh, is able to, to play well. Um, I think if Indiana wins, it's another positive data point. I don't think it helps them much given what Purdue is this season uh, without the game and an Indiana win, I think is roughly the same in the eyes of the committee. So what you're looking at is a two or a three loss big 12 team is going to drop. 
you think a Florida team with a loss to Alabama will drop as well below the Hoosiers. Uh, does that get you into the top 10? In which case, if Ohio State beats Northwestern, you're the second place team in the Big Ten in terms of rankings. I think that does enough to get the Hoosiers to the Fiesta Bowl or possibly the Orange Bowl. If they're unable to get into that top 10, I think you probably drop down to the Citrus Bowl uh, and play a game against an SEC foe in Florida. Either way, great outcome for the season, but I certainly hope the Hoosiers are able to earn their way uh, with the win over Purdue into a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, that would be a season that I think we'll all remember forever. I'll back my way into a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, yeah, I don't, care. I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. I, no, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. It's and nobody in you know if this starts a, a run of bowl games, um, you know, pretty big bowl games. Nobody's gonna remember that Indiana backed into the Fiesta Bowl or Cotton Bowl or wherever they send them. Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up too much. You know, I did that last week, and you know, it, it took them about 24 hours to to between pausing and canceling and. And, and things like that. I mean, we'll cover it as always. And we do have National Signing Day coming up on Wednesday as well to help get everybody through this week. Um, but I'm taking the attitude. If they play, it's a bonus. If not, um, we'll find out Sunday where Indiana is going in, um, for their bowl game. So uh, fi- uh, final thoughts from today, TJ? I want to thank Richard for joining us. He was great. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, you know, I, I think that hopefully Indiana is able to play. If so, we're going to have great coverage of the bucket game. Um, before that, though, we do have signing day coming up, and we've got some great plans for that as well. Uh, we'll do some recruiting stuff next week uh, and, and hopefully be able to give you a, a thumbnail sketch of, of uh, who Indiana is adding to what should be a very talented roster next season. First and foremost, though, uh, we hope that anybody that has contracted COVID in the Indiana program is okay. Uh, we have not and, heard of any and serious Purdue. cases. We hope they're okay, too. Purdue, absolutely, as well. We haven't heard of any serious cases on either side. Uh, that doesn't mean they don't exist. You know, it's a privacy thing that I completely understand. But our hope is that everybody in both programs is, is healthy, uh, able to to play this Friday, uh, and if not, that the Hoosiers can get as many people as possible back uh, for what we hope is, is a, a really awesome bowl game. Uh, and we'll have that information on starting on Sunday. Uh, that That's going to start coming out. So uh, lots to happen this week with or without a game. Uh, it's going to be a heavy news week for sure for Indiana football, so stay tuned. Yeah, uh, there has been some news recently. Uh, Rashawn Williams, Indiana receiver, has entered the transfer portal. It's been reported by multiple outlets. It happened as we were getting ready for the uh, for the podcast. Is first reported, I believe, by Matt Weaver of Two Four Seven Sports and Peaks dot com, uh, and Matt's a friend of the show. Not surprising that that he's choosing to go to the portal, Indiana. Uh, does have a uh, a nice wide receiver class uh, scheduled to sign on Wednesday, uh, and people have to remember you're the seniors. Yes, Ty Fry, Fogel, and, and Wap Billier are seniors. They have the option to return. 
Uh, so if uh, they get feedback from the NFL uh, saying that, you know, maybe they need more tape, especially, you know, with, with WAP not getting as many touches this year as he did last year uh, and things like that, they have the option to return as well. So it's not, look, losing a four-star player, if he was not bought in, um, if he was not bought into what Tom Allen was saying, he's probably better off going to a place where he fits better. Uh, and IU is better off uh, if he leaves as well. You don't want um, – you want people who are bought in uh, to, to what your program is offering. So uh, we wish Rashawn the best of luck. And I do want to uh, thank Rashard Fant for coming on as well. He was fantastic. Um, but that does it for tonight's show, TJ. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Hope everybody has a good week and uh, we'll be back with whatever news this coming week brings. It's going to be exciting one way or the other. Yeah, it should be exciting. You know, at the very least, you're finding out uh, where Indiana is going to go in the postseason. Uh, best case scenario is Indiana plays Purdue on Friday night. You can enjoy another Saturday, uh, college football Saturday. Um and watch all the other games. And then Sunday is the, you find out all the bulls. So uh, thanks everybody for joining us. We'll have all the updates at HoosierHuddle.com. Don't forget to tune in on Wednesday as we have all of our signing day coverage. It is a weird and wacky signing day. I, I am interested to see nationwide who signs, uh, you know, teams are signing players that they haven't met in person yet. Um, especially since the, uh, recruiting dead period was, I think, extended till April. So guys can't make visits until April uh, and things like that. So maybe we see a whole bunch of people sign, especially the top guys. Uh, but I think Indiana is expected to to have everybody sign on, on Wednesday. Uh, I know a few of the guys tweeted out that they were supposed to. So come back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll have you all covered. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. And that does it for tonight's show. Thank you, TJ. Have a good one, everybody. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. 
Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 